What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm hosted audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. We are officially less than a week away from the NFL draft. I know Chiefs fans are eager to see where they go in the first round. I know Arrowhead Pride is eager to see where they go in the first round. So let's get into today's show. We've got plenty to discuss. We'll start things off with the Arrowhead Pride draft room. They spent some time predicting the Chiefs picks. These are the ones that they want to be held accountable for if the Chiefs actually wind up going there in the first round. That's going to be followed up by Chiefs Coast to Coast. Kansas City began their voluntary team workouts this week, so we heard from Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and McCole Hardman, so they had some conversations about what we heard there. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we've got the Arrowhead Pride editors breaking down some mock draft trends as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. And then we will finish things up, our special edition of Draft Talk, with our good friend Jay Binkley from 610 Sports Radio. Him and Ron Kopp Jr. spent some time doing a mock draft. Of course, that's the best way for us to finish things up before we start draft week officially here in Kansas City. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. Thank you for listening. It has been a fun draft process. It's getting closer and closer here. And, you know, it's it's the draft we're covering. And so the only way to, to really cover the draft is just to uh, do more drafts about the draft. And that's what we're going to do right now is draft players that we think the Chiefs could draft. And I'm going to keep saying draft because draft, draft, draft. But no, uh, yeah, no, I, we got a fun little thing here. So <laughs> uh, Chiefs, Chiefs pick at 29 and 30. They got two first round picks. We know they can move up, move down, whatever. But all we know is they got a lot of ammunition in this first round. And so what we're going to try to do is we're going to draft players that are possible targets in the first round and try to be right, not guys that we want them to pick, right? We're not picking our guys. We're going to be trying to be try to be right, which is definitely a difference. I mean, there's absolutely a difference. When you think about you got to consider Brett Veach's draft history. You got to consider, you know, how aggressive he is. You got to consider how the board could fall. Um, we are picking, you know, we're picking guys trying to be right. We're going to go three rounds here. And we're gonna go. We're just gonna go regular draft, no snake draft. There's not enough rounds for it to be to make sense for a snake draft. But I'm the third pick because I just volunteered to be. But I want it. It's between Talon and Brian for the first and second pick. And I'm gonna have you. This is how we're gonna do it. You have to. Uh, I'm thinking of a player, a Chiefs player, and the closest per. I, I, just any player on the on the roster. So it's just literally any player. You have to be the closest position wise, and I know that makes no sense, but. If you, whatever player you guess, whoever's closest position wise gets to go first. So guesses, please. I'm going to say Devon Key. Devon Key. Okay. Brian. Mm, I'm going to go offense then and uh, smart. Go with a, a running back, uh, Ronald Jones. Talon, you will have the number one overall pick. I was thinking Rashad Fenton. So defense safety see it made sense right my little game made sense it, it played out it, it didn't fail um so that's good uh so yeah talent you have the first pick and so again picking guys we think the chiefs could pick first first round just one at a time three rounds talent do you have a number one overall pick for us i do um it is it happens to be one of my guys but uh, I do think, you know, if quarterbacks start to go, if there's a run on receivers, um, that there's going to be some good players pushed down. And Daxton Hill is a good player. He's a guy that checks multiple boxes for the Chiefs. They need help at slot, excuse me, at slot cornerback. Uh, and that's something that Daxton Hill has done a lot of in college. He's done it done it very well. Um, so he could slot, uh, come in day one, be the starting slot cornerback for, for nickel packages and dime packages for the, for the Chiefs. Um, but he's also a, a very good safety over the top. So if one, 
Thornhill does hit free agency next year, he could slide right in to start next to Justin Reed. Uh, and then they could just fill the need with a, you know, one of their depth guys and cornerback that they take later on in the draft for, for, for future years. So for me, Daxon Hill just checks so many boxes. He's so versatile. He's so physical. He, he's fast. Um, and he can cover a lot of different types of receivers. So for me, Daxon Hill is uh, realistically, I think the Chiefs could, could take him. I think it's actually a really good pick when you consider, you know, because he might be BPA. He might be best player available um, at 29 or 30 and if he falls there. And you're right, he fills, he fills needs for sure. That's a great first pick. I think it's a great leadoff. But Brian, you have the second overall pick. Who are you going with? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to shake things up in a big way. Um, this is what I think is going to happen. And we kind of alluded to it at the beginning of the show. Um, I, I think they just – they really know who they want and they're going to do kind of whatever it takes to get them within reason. So um, this is where it gets tricky because I'm going to predict which player falls because uh, I, I don't think they're trading up higher than – you know, 13, 14, 15 range, but they're going to get there and they are going to end up taking Jermaine Johnson. Um, ah. I think he does fall in, in his hype through this pre-jack process has been crazy. And, you know, nationally we're saying, Oh, this guy, he, he's going top eight, top 10. I'm not so sure that's the case. I think maybe they have a decent beat on this and they kind of know that he might get down to 13, 14, 15. And that's who they want. And that's why they've just kind of, you know, been patient with the defensive end market. Um, and they're going to package up, pick 50, maybe throw in another pick on day three and yeah, make yeah. sure they get their guy, Jermaine Johnson, uh, out of Florida State. This is the strategy of this game, man. I love it. You know, you are, are we taking guys that, you know, are most, are, you know, most likely to fall? Or are you taking guys that you, we are confident they are looking at wanting to get? And I think you're right. I think Johnson would be the perfect guy to trade up for for Kansas City. Because he is an immediate impact guy, plus with you know a pretty high ceiling, just a guy you can definitely throw in there at a, as a four three D end, either you know either edge and 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 give you good pass rush and run production. I love it. I love the idea of that. But I am on the clock here with the third overall pick now, and so I'm kind of going going to go in a similar boat as you, Brian. And I'm going to go George Karloftis, the par Purdue um, edge rusher. I, you know, it's starting to feel like, I think, you know, I think there are some people that don't like him, but I think that's just kind of, it's kind of getting overblown a little bit. I do think he's going to go pretty high, but in that same boat, if he does fall to an certain extent, I think the chiefs just understand how well he fits in their defense, how, you know, and he is still pretty raw prospect, still a pretty high ceiling guy. You know, not as much as Johnson in my opinion, but I think he could be a guy they, they target. So George Karloftis, Purdue edge rusher, Talon, you are back on the clock. Yeah. I'm going to stay edge. Um, so I'm going to go Arnold Ebiketti. I think this oh. is a guy that, that uh, you know, some may not see him as a round one value, um, but I like him a lot. And I think he's a guy that if the Chiefs need to get and want really want to get, they have to take him with one of these first round first round picks unless they trade back him to the early second because he'll be gone uh, if they don't take him here. So depending on how much they value him and, and you know, he's not great against the run. He doesn't have the biggest anchor in the world, but he does offer value when, you know, when they're, you know, um, and, and certain run stuffs, but I like the way he rushes a passer. He's a very effective and very efficient pass rusher. And that's something the chiefs need. Um, and, and in terms of, um, there was a stat that broke on Twitter and I believe it was advocated. It was one of the best in, in the, in the country at, at creating pressures, um, without, you know, um, what was what was the official stat? It was un, unassisted pressure, or, or you know, in terms of offensive linemen falling down, or you know, something like that. Something where it was you know the offense failed to stop him. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not making any sense, but anyway, um, <laughs> I, I like Ebiketti here. I think he'd be a good round one value for the Chiefs. No, I think I think what you're referencing is it a PFS stat? Because I think it's like yeah. just, I think it's just win rate. And, Maybe that's what it was, yeah. And because it's it's, it, I believe win rate for them can be passing and run blocks like both. So like you know, it's not just like your pass rush win rate. It can be you know how much when you're engaged with the block, you're winning it. And right. you're right. When I watch, you know, I've watched three full games of him for my for my film um, review, and you know, I will say like, yeah, he is. You know, he's not the biggest dude. Yeah, he's not just gonna like be able to just like physically dominate a block if he doesn't get momentum into the engagement. He definitely. If he's standing straight up, he's going to get blown off the ball for sure. But that's the thing, dude. He understands that. He's got long arms. He can play with that leverage. He's a very high-effort player. So I, he's a guy to me that I feel like could really, like, he just, you know, he just needs to, you know, always 
you know, be aware of that on the field, like always be in a position to kind of, you know, be ready to use that leverage. And since he's a high upper player, I just feel like, yeah, he could get to that point where he just, he just doesn't find himself in those positions a lot because he's always with good technique. Um, yes, he can be in those positions because that's the other thing, which I've, I've seen this be talked about with him, which I agree with it, you know, but I, I didn't think about it until I've heard it. He definitely doesn't seem like a player that can add much weight on. Like he, like, I feel like his frame is a good frame, but like he is what he is in terms of like what his build is right now. You know, he's just not a, he's just not going to be a guy you can just add on like 20 pounds and say, okay, well now he's a bigger guy that can stuff the run. Well, now he's not going to be able to fly off the ball. So um, yeah, it's an interesting, I, 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 I go off about him because I just wrote him up and I, 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 he is becoming one of my favorite options in the first round. So I'm glad we took him. And so now Brian, Unless you had any Ebiketti takes, you can go ahead with yeah. your second round pick. Now, Ebiketti was one that I had on my list too, um, and I forget who it was. It was you know a respected name on in the media football space who had said his comp was um, Shaq Barrett for Ebiketti as far as his career outlook. And I'm thinking, you know, if the Chiefs took him and and you said, okay, he's going to become Shaq Barrett level type player, sign me up for that all day, even yeah. if it doesn't mean some you know, run defense deficiencies. I think we've seen over the last few years, while the defensive ends like Frank Clark have been really, really good against the run, we need more more pass rush juice. So I'm all for that yes. one. That's a good pick. Um, so this next one, uh, I don't know that I would do this with the Jermaine Johnson trade up. Might be a little redundant in terms of, of how they're using the resources, but one that I think could definitely happen is a small trade up for defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. And that was um, a really, really good player that Talon wrote up on, on the website. And this goes into that whole idea, okay, we want to really funnel our pass rush up the middle, um, have a contingency plan for life after Chris Jones. Um, because if you think a, a lot of the, the best quarterbacks, the best way to – you know, get them off their game is if you can get pressure up the middle. Yes, man. Um, Wyatt, Chris Jones, you know, Wharton, Taylor Stallworth, they just brought in. There's some juice there to rotate through. Um, I, I don't think that that's um, that crazy of an idea that they would go D tackle first round. So Devonte Wyatt, Georgia is my second uh, choice for this first round rotation. I totally agree, man. And the other thing that we've talked about, I, I believe on this pod is that, you know, defensive tackle right now, it's stacked, but you know, the high end talent right now really only is Chris Jones. And if they want to get younger and cheaper, you know, kind of in the short term, you know, maybe next off season, maybe Jones isn't a chief next year, you know, or, you know, in 2023. So it's very possible. So I think it's true. I think it's a good point. And the other, the other part of that, if that happens is going back to our trade um, discussion at the beginning, I think you would see Colin Saunders, eventually traded if it's not on draft day it might be deep into training camp you say okay this team needs some bodies at d tackle you go ahead and give it because because you're probably not going to keep him at that point either um so i i can see how that puzzle just fits together really really well yeah no i i, I agree it's a, it's a good point you know we've gotten this far i mean i'm on my I'm, we're on the sixth overall pick and no one's taking receiver in the first round I mean, we all kind of hope it's the case, right? That the Chiefs at least take one of these guys. Although that's the thing. It does seem like, you know, the way it is, is coming, it, it does feel like, you know, it's going to be hard for one of the, the receivers they really like to fall to them. But let me tell you this, guys. I, I you know, I, I do think I've seen some questions about how this player could fit with the Chiefs offense. I really think he complements really well what the Chiefs do have existing. And he may not have the highest ceiling as a receiver, but I think he comes in and gives you a really high floor and just really competent hands. Going to get open. You know who I'm going with. It's Jahan Dotson, the receiver from Penn State. I think the Chiefs could really like what he brings. To the, like, I just think he's he's not the bigger receiver guy, but they have plenty of those now, I think. And they also, also could draft another one here in this draft. I think Jahan Dotson could be that, that slot Z type that not like McColl. But like someone that could actually, you know, get open, you know, know how to under, you know, know how to maneuver zone coverages, you know, have reliable hands, you know, he has an insane catch radius for his size. I, I really like him as a receiver, and I think the Chiefs could too. I really think Andy could, you know, I, I think he needs a guy like this. I think, and and I've comped him to Emmanuel Sanders, and I think 
the Chiefs could really use a guy like that now that they don't have, um, you know, they, they kind of have a lot of, you know, bigger guys. You know, MVS is vertical speed, but maybe not side-to-side speed. Um, yeah, I, I really like the idea of him in the offense. I, I really do. I, I admit that he doesn't have the highest ceiling. I admit that he's not going to be maybe a, you know, a number one wide receiver one day, maybe potentially. I mean, you know, to, you know, a lower level maybe of one, but at the same time, man, I, I think he's going to give you a really high floor and just really competent play. And Patrick Mahomes is going to enjoy having him on, on, on the team if they go that direction. So Jahan Dotson is my pick. Um, any reaction from that? Because I, I do feel like he's kind of a, I, I see people that just like say blah when they see him get drafted to the Chiefs. Man, I, I don't, like, I don't like that. I don't like that. I, yeah, I, I think I, he needs more respect. He does, man. I, I love his hands. He catches everything. And, you know, I feel like we've talked a little bit about it. His quarterback play was all over the place at Penn State. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. No, that is so true. Watching yeah. him in depth, man. Like, holy cow. Like, one of, sorry to interrupt, but one, no, of, the, one of the tweets I put out to, for my article was against Iowa towards the end of the game, man. Dude just burns burns the deep safety both times to the to the open side, you know, to to the field side, like just has all this field in front of him on these deep posts at the end of the game to like win the game basically. And both of the throws just go completely like bending back the other way. Like just all you all he has to do is throw it into space. Like it's just it's you know, I don't know. I couldn't imagine how much production he lost from having the quarterbacks he had at Penn State, but go ahead. Yeah, man, I think he could be someone that playing with a guy like Patrick Mahomes in the offense like the Chiefs have, I think he would be very productive. So I would love that as a first-round pick. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and take a deep shot here and say the Chiefs trade up for Jameson Williams. Um, you know, they had him in for a visit, you know, maybe smoke screens. You know, I, I know those games are played behind the scenes. But, but man, Jameson Williams brings a lot. And, you know, he's fast. He's reliable. He uh, he, he can run some nice routes. He in, in what he would do uh, – replace I don't, I don't want to say he's going to replace Tyreek Hill because you just you can't replace a Tyreek Hill but he would um come in and play the role that a Tyreek Hill is leaving so um and I think if you do get a guy like Jameson Williams all of a sudden that, that McCole Hardman thing we were referring to earlier probably happens yeah I love it I love it we're taking swings man uh you guys are taking swings and I do think we know Brett Veach, man. He's it's just so hard to see him not being, you know, making some sort of swing in this. So I do think it's smart for you guys to go with that strategy. So Brian, are you going to continue going swings here? Or are you going to maybe play it more conservative with this third round pick? <clears throat> I, I'm going to scale it back here in a moment, but I, before I move on to that, I, I want to touch on this wide receiver conversation. And yeah. I'm, you know, you said Ron, like with Dotson and how the consensus seems to be like, it would just be a okay pick or, you know, people yeah would be kind of, I don't know, let down by it. And I don't get it at all either. And um, the thing that, you know, people kind of knock him for is the weight, right? You know, is he, is he that strong? Is he able to, to play through contact and what have you? But we're talking about a wide receiver class that's full of guys who have that, that question mark, right? I mean, even mm-hmm. Jamison Williams, that's kind of like his big thing is how strong is he through contact? Um, Alave, same thing. Um, so, the thing you have to ask yourself is what team is going to use them the best. And I got a lot of confidence in the chiefs right now with Andy Reid and Mahomes and, and the hole they have at the Z receiver, you're bringing him or Williams. Um, when I say him, I mean, um, Dotson. Yeah. And you're not asking them to get on the line of scrimmage and get off a of press that much. You're really yeah, not. Exactly. You're going to use them the right way. And, and they're gonna they're gonna do their best work, I think, with a team like like the Chiefs. So um, that would be a great pick and one I could definitely see. But I'm going to triple down on the defense, <laughs> on the defensive line because you guys took um, the top receivers that I had in mind, and I'm actually gonna go with Boye Mafe, the edge out of Minnesota. Another guy, um, I would take him at 29 or 30. I wouldn't trade up for him. But my thing is. Does he have the the weight or the length that maybe in the past they seem to really want out of their their DNs? No, but he can play. I think he has a lot of potential. I don't think there's a, a whole lot of point in in getting too wrapped up in the you know the measurables. There's a lot of guys who don't fit that, and and at some point you just got to say who who can play, who can set an edge solid at a solid level and rush the passer a little bit. And I think Mafe could do that. But the, the thing that sells me most is, I believe, no better situation than to bring Mafe in somewhere that has 
um, a guy like Melvin Ingram who fits the that same exact conversation. Short arms, not the heaviest in terms of of a four three defensive end. Mm-hmm. Well, you bring Ingram back and he can really teach that kid some things. I think about how to use his his body type um, and get the most out of it. I think he's you know I know that's you're assuming a lot of things there. You're assuming they have Ingram back, but I really like that idea to help Mafe reach his ceiling. Um, and, and so, yeah, three, three defensive linemen for me, but I, I don't see them getting out of the first round without one. So that's the reasoning behind that. And I think with the Melvin Ingram thing, you could say the same thing with Eva, Katie too. Um, uh, you know, and, and by the way, I, I, I was corrected the other day. It, it, apparently, it is Ibiketi. I've been saying Ibiketi all offseason. So just 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 letting everyone know. Uh, you know, I'm not just switching it up out of out of randomly. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I think it's I think that's a really good point in the defensive line because I they got to get somebody, and so it's good we've all kind of stocked up on all the guys. But there is one guy we have not picked, and that's who I'm going to go with, and that's David Ojabo. Um, I do think the Chiefs have to. I mean, in my opinion, it, you sprint. It to the if you don't have to trade up for him if he's there at 29 or 30 i get it man you really want to have someone that can contribute right away depending on who else is there maybe you know maybe you do take uh eb katie uh you know before ojabo because you know maybe you like ojabo more as a player but you're just like man i'll take my swing on eb katie because i know he'll be i'll i'll get my hands on him right away and, and see him right away which i know is kind of you know it might be bad logic to some extent but i don't know i, I you got to take Ojabo, in my opinion, just because you'd never get a, to take, you're never able to take that swing at that high level of a talent. So, David Ojabo is who I'm picking around at our draft. So, I'm going to re- recap the teams real quick. Talon, you took Daxon Hill, Arnold DeBacati, and Jameson Williams. So, I mean, if we get one of those. I think we're all, we're all feeling pretty good. Uh, and I feel like we're going to, I could say that about all of our teams. Brian, you took Jermaine Johnson, the second, Devontae White, and Boye Mafe. And uh, I went. I wound up with George Karloftis, Jahan Dotson, and David Ojabo. I mean, I could go another round probably, um, but but that's the thing. Uh, we could go all day with this kind of stuff. And and next week is the last episode before the draft. As crazy as it sounds, it is. But it's going to be the best episode of the entire uh, off season so far. So we're excited for it. It's going to be good. And it's the Chiefs kicking off their. Uh, voluntary workouts, off-season program, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of different names floating around out there. These are voluntary workouts, but they look different uh, at each and every team in the league. And for the Chiefs, it's, it starts virtually this year. Andy Reid announced that on Monday when talking with reporters. Uh, there's a longer quote here, but the one that really stood out to me was, uh, I don't need them here. And he basically went on to say, you know, we played a lot of football, most football over the last four to five years. We got some new faces in here this year, and if it helps them uh, to kind of grow the chemistry and do things on their own, I'm all for it. Uh, so the Chiefs start virtual. Mark, what, what's your thoughts on that? I love it, man. It just shows me something I already knew, and that's the fact that Andy Reid and company, they really trust Mahomes, and they value his leadership, you know, even considering he's only 26 years old. But, you know, it, it's just really – it's refreshing because we're talking about how maybe Mahomes doesn't really feel like he has the quite the cachet or the, you know, the years under his belt to really, you know, influence moves in the front office yet or really voice his opinion. I know they ask him, you know, about certain stuff and keep him informed, obviously, especially with the Tyreek Hill situation um, recently. But, you know, this is another aspect, I feel like, another avenue to really empower him moving forward you know he's back home in texas where he's from obviously he got the receivers going down there to uh catch some balls from him even got your boy mccall hartman who chief's kingdom felt like he never practices with uh patrick mahomes (laughs) they're like why is he not down there well he was down there too so that was a welcome sight to a lot of chiefs fans as well which was probably overblown obviously we're going to talk hard, and don't worry. If there's, <laughs> if there's one thing this pod is going to do, it, it, it's talk McCole Hardman. Nah, with the Andy Reid thing, man, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, this is this is just good management. This is, I mean, we, we, went, we reached a point in the pandemic where a lot of people were working remotely, right? Not only us people who work a desk job or in cubicles, but 
you know, the NFL was working remotely to to an extent as well. They were having the virtual meetings. They were having uh, the Zooms and all that stuff and having to go through plays online. And Andy Reid took that play out of the pandemic playbook and said, hey, you know what? This could work for us in other aspects. It's good management, man, to understand that, hey, they don't have to be here to get the work in. You said the word trust. I'll echo that as well. It just shows that, you know, Andy is evolving with the team. And that's something that's really cool to see. Uh, Travis Kelsey kind of talked about it towards the end of the year last year. It might have been kind of in the playoff run. He mentioned how Andy was allowing them to collaborate a lot more on the offense and come up with some of the Ferrari packages and some of the interesting stuff we saw on offense. I think this is just another example of that, man. I think this is Andy learning, Andy evolving. This guy's been in the league for quite some time, and he's saying, hey, uh, these guys can do it their own way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just a welcome sight, man. It really is. Because especially this year, you have all these new faces, MVS, Juju, you know, Coleman. So it's good to build that chemistry early on before mini camp, before training camp. So you already have a rapport. So you're not just coming in, you know, like, hey, I don't even know the timing with this guy or where he likes the ball or what's his favorite routes and stuff like that. So and obviously Mahomes has a good grasp of the playbook, obviously. So those guys can get caught up as well in that aspect. So I love to see it. And we're going to get into it later. But, you know, I got some good things to say about your boy Hardman, though. I really do. <laughs> why, why is he my boy? See, now you now you coming over to the now you coming over to the smart side. Why is he my boy? I mean, come on. You've advocated. Not, now you're not you're not claiming him as your boy now. You know, that's baby Debo. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, big year for him, though, man. But we're going to get into it, though. But yeah, I, overall, though, overall. Like I said on Twitter, what a leader Mahomes is, man. Can we just marvel at his leadership for a second, Aaron, if you don't mind? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm an ISO. Go ahead and ISO. Let you. Yeah. Let you. I mean, the guy, I mean, we like I always say this every time. We forget, man. He's only 26 years old and he's a better leader right now than Aaron Rodgers. Stop. And Aaron Rodgers is almost 40. Stop it. You don't see Aaron Rodgers bringing his guys to his hometown in California working out, do you? He's I getting, don't see any clips. He's Where they throwing, at? He's throwing with his guys over the offseason. Just because this stuff don't make sense. Where they at? Where's the where's the video team at, Aaron? You such a you such a rumor guy, man. Hey, hey, what they say nowadays, if if we don't see it, it didn't happen. So I don't see any videos. And that man's almost 40 years old. He's a diva, Mahomes. He's a great kid, great young man. From Texas, very humble. Tyler, Texas. I mean, come on. Small town, Super Bowl <laughs> champion, MVP. I mean, Kansas City, we're so lucky to have him there. You're so lucky to cover that guy. I don't think you fully appreciate it. You need to really fully appreciate the opportunity that you have right now, man. You're covering the most talented quarterback to ever play this sport. You know, I'm, I'm done. We're gonna get into this later in the in in the show. He didn't necessarily look like it in the second half in that AFC title game. Oh and my god! Maybe that's what's spurring on, you know this this pass catcher camp, if you will, that's happening in Tyler, Texas. Andy Reid mentioned that he knew that was happening. He gave the green light to it. Coaches can't supervise football activities right now, uh, but they know that's happening. And and we saw the video that went out. I was trying to throw it in the space, but I don't think we can throw videos in here just yet. A lot of different guys, new faces, old faces, Kelsey, MVS, Juju. I saw the Texas Tesla down there, Ronald Jones. I mean, they're putting the work in, man. I know it's early in, in spring and there's going to be OTAs. There's going to be a mini camp. There's going to be obviously training camp as well. And there's going to be new faces that are added to this offense too. So this is not the finished product, but to know that 15 is down there working with the guys, getting the timing down, real fundamental stuff. Uh, it, it, it does show leadership. I'm not going to say he's the best leader in the league like Mr. Mark Bayless, my co-host. But I didn't uh, say that. I didn't say the best in the league. I said he's a better leader than Aaron Rodgers. It's a good sign to see Andy Reid spoke to it because he doesn't have to do it. He, I mean, he doesn't have to do it. At the end of the day, guys have their own individual lives, and we'll get into that in a second. But he does not have to host this. And I think that whatever comes out of it, it could be good, bad, or or indifferent. Um, 
uh, I think it's a positive that they're that they're already working. It shows the hunger too, man. This is a group that's that's been close. It, it shows that they're still hungry and still working. Yeah, I mean, I think with trading Tyreek Hill, it added an extra motivation factor because now you see a lot of national pundits and fans even as well kind of writing the Chiefs off, especially with the division being so competitive on paper right now, more so than probably ever before. People are saying the Chiefs might not even make the playoffs. Like, I've seen that take go around a lot, uh, saying they might finish third or last in the AFC West. So I think that alone is going to spark a major fuel for this team to prove that, hey, we understand how great Tyreek Hill is and how dynamic he is, but we're still the Kansas City Chiefs, and we still got Patrick Mahomes. We still got Travis Kelsey. still got Andy Reid. So the ship is going to keep going on, and the show doesn't stop. Yeah, the offseason workouts are important, so fans were a little upset when maybe McCole Hartman wasn't pictured or wasn't included. I don't think this is a this year storyline. Let me make sure I get this right. Was this Spanic? Was this coming from this year, Mark, or was this this was coming going back to when he first got on the team? Well, McCole Hartman? Correct. Yeah, since he's first got on the team. I didn't like think every Every offseason, there's been, like, this thing in Chiefs Kingdom Twitter that every time Mahomes is working out, like, before a training camp, mini camp, whatever, and McCall Hartman's never there. This is the first time we've seen McCall Hartman there. Well, obviously, number 17 heard some of the chatter, and he chirped back at it when talking with reporters yesterday on Zoom. The quote that made the headlines, and I think even Pete Sweeney called it quote of the day, it's from McCole Hartman. He says, I can't be on Pat's ass all day. And he goes on a little bit longer to say some of these things were overblown. Uh, we have OTAs, training camps, and a whole four months to get on the same timing and get, get chemistry with Patrick Mahomes. And says that, hey, you got to understand people have individual lives as well. I tweeted this out and it got some response. I'll throw it in here. We'll start off with, with your initial thoughts on that and then maybe – the finally realizing that he made the trip this time and, and that kind of thing. I think this is a prime example of bullying work sometimes. <laughs> um, I mean, cause we know McCall Hartman, he's very active on Twitter. He even responds sometimes right to the chatter and the negative attention that he gets at times. So there's no doubt in my mind that he's been seeing this and <laughs> is it fitting? Can I say this, Aaron? Is it fitting that, the one time he shows up happens to be while he's entering the last year of his rookie contract. Come on now. Any court. I mean, Hey, what do they say? Contract years undefeated, right? You already know what that is. I'm just saying. And now obviously with Tyreek Hill gone, this is a major opportunity for him to increase his stock for free agency next, next off season. So you can't tell me that has nothing to do with, had nothing to do with him showing up this time. You can't tell me I, that. I think I think your first point was closer to it. Bullying works. I think the Tyreek Hill trade as well. I mean, he would be remiss to think that he's not gonna have a bigger role in the offense. That's just, I mean, that that's just two plus two equals four. He had to be there. Uh, I mean, it, it it was no way around it. I don't. I'm sure he didn't go down there with a smile. I'm sure he probably wanted other things to do with with his time off than going to work. Um, but like you said, it's a contract year. He had not been seen at these workouts in the past. And there have been some icy relations in when we're talking about McCole Hartman and the rest of the wide receiver room and Patrick Mahomes. I'm not reporting anything here. I mean, this is this is clear as day as if you're watching what's going on. Tyree Kill's going away message to to the Kansas City Chiefs noticeably kept someone absent. I mean, uh, I'm not reporting anything there. It, 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 there was some bars there. There was some jabs there. There was some ice there when he necessarily didn't have a role in the offense. And, uh, you know, now he's starting off on the right foot. Got to commend him for that. Because last training camp, it was trying to happen then. The team was trying to make it happen then. Patrick came in and said, oh, you know, we see a new maturity in McCool. And we see him attacking every route and finishing things off and learning how to be a professional. All those things that say, hey, maybe this guy wasn't ready yet and now he's turning the corner. Maybe this is another sign, Mark, that he's coming around. Yeah, and I think the frustrating part for Chiefs fans was not only the fact that we didn't see McCole Hartman with Patrick Mahomes in the offseason, it's the fact that 
it kind of correlated on the field. Like, how many times do you see where it appears that McCole Harmon runs the the wrong route, right? And Patrick Mahomes gets really angry at him. Like, like we've seen that a lot of times. So when you see that, and then you see that he's not actually going in the offseason to play with Patrick Mahomes, it, you know, it's like, okay, one plus one equals two. Like, that's the disconnect, right? So it's good to see him there early this time. And like I said, I know you don't agree, but a lot of that has to do with the contract year as well. Uh, we're not going to act like contract years aren't undefeated. And he's seeing all these other guys in this class. Think, think about it, Aaron. If McCole Harmon lived up to his draft status, quote unquote, he would be one of those guys right now talking about, I need a new contract. Because he's in the same class as A.J. Brown, same class as Debo Samuel, same class as Terry McLaurin. What all do those guys have in common right now? They're not reporting and they're looking for a new deal. But McCole Harmon doesn't have the cachet to demand that at this point. So he has to ball out this year to get a good contract next offseason. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, draft season is upon us. We're almost there at the NFL draft, eight days away. So we will have a lot of new Chiefs this time, two weeks from now, uh, breaking them down. I tend to think it'll be seven or eight players out of these 12 picks. Fred Beach is known to be, be very aggressive when it comes to the NFL draft. He's never had this much ammo to go and trade up for players that he wants. So we will see. When it comes to the draft, John, I'll, I'll let you take it away here. What have the most recent mock trends been for the Kansas City Chiefs? How have they changed? What, have you, what are you seeing when it comes to that? Yeah, this season I decided to do something we've never done before, which is to keep track of the mock drafts we've covered uh, from national writers on arrowheadpride.com. Obviously, we we cover a lot of these during the offseason. It's a slow time. Uh, gets people an opportunity to see what other people are thinking around the country about what the Chiefs might do. Uh, sometimes they don't really have a clue and they're just guessing as is made clear by a lot of these mock drafts that we see, but some of these people have a good idea of what they're talking about. And it's interesting to see, uh, how the players they select for the chiefs change, uh, over the course of the off season back when we started this year, uh, you know, the mock draft started dropping in December. Um, and in the, the first part of it, uh, we saw, uh, mostly secondary players and edge rushers being taken about uh, 36% each wide outs, 19%. Uh, those were the, the big positions being uh, covered in the mock drafts. And it's kind of interesting to me that, that at that point before the Tyreek Hill trade uh, that still one in five of these guys were picking wide receivers for the chiefs. I think that's a, a perception that offense is the most important thing uh, from uh, people outside the organization. That's what they see is that Andy Reid's always going to be looking for those receivers. But since the trade, two things have happened. One is that there's now two picks in the first round that are in all these mock drafts. And now there's even more of a reason to uh, take a wide out in that first with one of those first round mm. picks. So at that point, the wide outs become the number one selection in these mock right. drafts followed by edge rushers and then defensive backs at 24%. And, but then here in the last week, it's changed a little bit. Now pass rushers are getting more of the picks, the wide receivers still getting a lot, the defensive backs about the same, but it's interesting to see how this has changed um, as, uh, as you know, the situations change. You know, people have finally caught on to the fact that the the Chiefs have brought in some free agents like Juju and uh, Marquez uh, to fill some of the need they have at wide receiver. And by having all these guys, they might be able to be a dangerous team, even without Tyreek Hill. And then they've also noticed, oh, but they've got this real problem on on as for edge rushers, rushers that they 
haven't really addressed in the offseason as, yeah. as many Kansas City fans have noticed. I think Ingram is back. I, I think they're they're waiting. The Ingram camp is waiting until the draft is over again because the comp pick formula gets thrown out the window. He'll see what his value is in the open market. And then I, I kind of think he comes back to the Chiefs. The Chiefs will definitely, I think, be prioritizing edge and receiver, maybe cornerback in, in the NFL draft. What is interesting about this draft, and this is something that GMs try to avoid, is other teams just knowing what direction you're going to go in. <clears throat> this was something that John Dorsey did well. I mean, he drafted well. We Not not great with the contracts, but drafting a year ahead or at least trying to. Whereas right now, I mean, you look at the Chiefs roster, you can clearly see the edge position is a freaking problem. And uh-huh. depth when it comes to receiver. You know, I, I like Hardman. I like MBS. I like Juju. One of those guys goes down. Are we trusting our boy Defoe is Josh Gordon part two? The answer there, like you definitely need to add a receiver in that room. And and the same can be said in the cornerback room. Again, same thing. I like Snead. I like Fenton. I even like Baker. I I have high expectations for Baker coming what is now going to be over a year after the injury um, that we originally didn't think would be a big deal. But Sam Madison, before he went to Miami, was saying it kind of has been. So I, I like to see what Baker can do now that it'll be a year removed from that injury. Uh, but again, one of those guys gets injured. You don't know. You don't even know the names of these guys. Like, are we are we really ready to lean into the Caprio Boodle? Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. And so I I think that's uh, tough for a GM to to figure out. And you got to be really good about knowing when to trade up, and you got to be really good about your intel. Uh, and uh, and uh, you know, this is something that I remember Dorsey and Veach said after Dorsey left. But the birdies are chirping. Well. They better be listening to what these birdies are saying because they got to put themselves in a position to make sure they get these players of need. And they got to really nail some day one contributors now more than ever. So uh, you can see the mock drafts changing. John, you've done a great job for us. We have a, a headline that you can click on to get all of the, the mocks that we, we put up um, at arrowheadpride.com. Let's go to our poll of the day to wrap this bad boy up. And here's what I asked, John. Will any Chiefs wide receiver have more yards than tight end Travis Kelsey this season? How do you think the fan base went on this one? Yes or no? Mm, I'm going to say no. I think they're going to go like you have, thinking uh, Kelsey's going to have a big year this year. I would have thought that it would have been like 95 no, right? Um, It is more no, but it's only 77%. So about a quarter of the Mm. fan base... One in four Chiefs fans believes that one of these receivers will have more yards than Kelsey. I find that hard to believe. I would have never thought it would have went that much for for yes there. But some that that just goes to show again, and we say it in the polls all the all the time, right? There's hidden optimism in these fans when you get <laughs> right. all the Twitter mentions uh, and you really read the comments. You're like, man, this fan base thinks that they are going to suck this year, but it's the silent uh, majority concept at work again. Yeah. So yeah, one in four fans really, uh, you know, one in five, I guess you could make a case uh, if you're rounding down, but there's a contingent of the fan base that, that feels pretty good about these receivers. Cause if you think they're getting more yards than Kelsey, who you can, you know, it's death taxes and a thousand for Kelsey, then, you know, you you really (laughs) think that one of these guys is going to emerge and you know, I don't, I don't hate you for it. Um, I don't agree with that. I think Kelsey will lead the team in yards, but, uh, I can understand the, the logic there. Right. Well, I I think that he has in many of these seasons. There's no reason to think he won't continue to do so. I don't think he have as much competition uh, with without Hill on the team. But one of these receivers could surprise us. The Chiefs could end up trading up and getting one of these huge receiving names in the draft. We just don't know how this is going to play out. But as you mentioned, all the the needs the team has, I know a lot of people don't think that the Chiefs will use all of their picks, that they'll trade some of them away. But I think we have to be prepared for the possibility that the Chiefs are going to throw, just try and throw numbers at all these problems. And it's possible they could just stand pat and use all these picks. And people say, oh, well, a dozen guys aren't going to make the team. Well, maybe they could. Mm. There's enough holes on the roster that that's distinctly possible. Tra- Trade back, make fifteen picks, fill out the right, roster with all right. draft pick. Have Ron Cop, right. have Ron Cop dish out fifteen greats next week. <laughs> uh, that's what that's what we want. Uh, no, you know, you know, we don't, really don't know what's going to happen. What I would say is watch the draft from um, about pick eight on, because I, you know, I I think they could pop up. I think they could they sit could. tight. I, I they you could. know, way more exciting than it has been in previous years when 
uh, Brett Veach decides, yeah, we're just not going to pick in the first round. And you never, you know what? You never freaking know. We could get to Friday, mm-hmm. rolling into that presser, just like last year. He could say, oh, we don't have anything going on. Five minutes later, he can trade for Orlando Brown. Ron Kopp, ArrowheadPride.com. Welcome, Ron. Jay. Really appreciate you having me on, man. Now, this has been so fun to do all off season. Uh, you kept bringing me on, even in the season, you know, but uh, draft season, there's nothing like draft season, man. No, Breaking down isn't. prospects, all the possibilities, all the all the different things that can happen. I love it, man. I love it. Thanks and, for having me on. And please welcome producer extraordinaire, Julio Sanchez. Julio, come on down. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank You're you very much. Nice. It just felt like introductions were proper with that music. It seemed like introduction type music. You know what I'm saying? It took us a while to get there, didn't it? Like draft type music. Yeah, it, it felt like introduction type music. So good to have you, Ron. We're one week away from the NFL draft. Yes, you we were are. with me last week. We talked a lot of uh, well, Julio. This is uh, geek out time, and you know what? It's okay now. I know you've accused me at this at times, and this is where it's acceptable. This is your platform. This is in the right wheelhouse to talk this. I, th- I think I had Nor- Thor on one time, Nystrom, the draft guy, and you're like. I like that stuff, but it was like pretty detailed. <laughs> it, was like, it was hardcore. It was hardcore. Well, Thor will join us tonight at seven o'clock, so that'll be fun talking to Thor, one of my favorite draft guys. Yeah, in really the good, business. really good draft uh, Twitter follow. Really and good I, Twitter follow. And I have Josh Edwards from CBS. I like him too. He's the editor over there at CBS. He just put out a seven round mock, which I got a lot of respect for. I, I put out seven round mocks, but only the Chiefs. I mean, I don't go every team, all thirty two teams yeah. in the NFL seven rounds. So, and hey, I, I've got my thirty two pick uh regular mock draft for all 32 teams and it's tough because sometimes you're like i get this guy twice yeah like, I need to have this guy. <laughs> like it is so easy to do i can Hard imagine how easy of. that's to do in a seven round all team mock uh yeah. when- it's, it's it's these guys it's these it's these experts that uh that have a lot of intel right you know you're looking at you know you know who teams have met with and everything but to put it all together man to go all seven rounds uh probably drive them crazy to you know, you're probably going, you know, by the fifth round, you're probably like, all right, what am I doing here? You got to well, stick why? with the board. You got to stick with the board because you can't do a bunch of trades because then you start really confusing yourself mentally. Of course. And oh, yeah, we gave up a third rounder at Pittsburgh earlier. What are we going to do now? So, but that's the thing. People eat it up, man. That's why they do it, man. Oh, they do. I, I, I love them. I, I click on them. them. I, I read them. So, I mean, I read every single them, mock out there. And we got, <laughs> I got all the uh, mocks uh, from different people. Uh, Kuiper and McShay did one together. Uh, from ESPN.com, and of course, Kuiper had the Chiefs trading down for Jamison Williams before, but this was interesting because they went pick after pick. So it was McShay, then Kuiper, then yeah. McShay, then Kuiper, and I'll tell you who they selected for the Kansas City Chiefs because they both had a dart to throw at the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll do that later on the show, and I'm really looking forward to this. Lucas Cruel, who played at Mill yeah. Valley. He played at the University of Florida, and he played at Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett was his quarterback, second team all ACC uh, Lucas, big dude. He visited the Chiefs. Top 30 visit. He was one of the guys to visit the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a tight end. Played locally at Mill Valley. Won a couple state championships out there. Went to Florida. Graduated in like two years or three years. Yeah. Then he went and got his MBA at Pittsburgh. Was a tight end for the Panthers. And uh, interesting guy. He worked out with Kenny Pickett. Then later on, he... Worked out with the late uh, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, yeah, and I know he's a he's got a really interesting backstory. I mean, he committed to originally play baseball, uh, you know, at the University of Arkansas. It's a big pitcher, man. Yeah, and and then you know actually you know even played at another college at baseball before finally deciding, hey, I'm a, I'm gonna try you know f- football again. Somehow you know from baseball went to go play at directly to the University of Florida for football. I mean. You know, that's that's how impressive he was in high school. And I remember my, you know, funny enough, we were in the same graduating class in the same area, never played against each other, but definitely remember him dominating high school. So I am not surprised that he is, you know, a, a prospect that people are kind of, you know, a sleeper kind of prospect in this. Draft. I read somewhere he was at Jefferson College and Jeff said he had like 27 strikeouts in the 16th inning. <laughs> he was drafted in the 34th round by the Giants. Yeah. So he has been drafted yeah, in Major League Baseball. Right. And has a chance to go in the NFL draft this season, put up huge numbers at his pro days. I mean, very... Four five four at six foot, yeah, and uh, two hundred sixty pounds. So he's an impressive. Uh, yeah, no, he, it's it's not just the Chiefs that are like a, that. He's a, a guy that people are looking out for. I feel like it's a whole NFL thing. He's a he's a, a wide, you know, a, a someone that you know is kind of a sleeper guy that everyone's starting to notice a little bit. Yeah, athletically, numbers. he finished top four of all tight ends and yeah. like the vert and the forty and the shuttle time and everything else. Is, it's insane just how good he is. But also your mock drafts as well nine one three five seven six. 7610, the J Southland Tow Service text line. I know you guys send in mock drafts all the time. I'm sure Ron gets a lot of them. I get a lot of them. I don't know if you do or not. but the, Oh, it's daily. Oh, a lot of people want me to, to grade it. What do yeah. you think of this or that? Or 
Uh, you know, I, I've learned this offseason that I'm not as big of a mock draft guy as, as like the general, like, you know, the the, the typical uh, football nerd draft nerd is. I just, I don't know. I don't do as many mock drafts as I feel like a lot of these guys do. I see them every day uh, in our Arrowhead Pride Slack chat. Guys are sending mock drafts every day. I just, I, I don't like doing it too much because I feel like that, you know, a lot of the simulators don't have the, the, the value right, in my opinion. You know, you're, yep. you're picking, you know, uh, you know, guys that aren't going to be there and, and picking guys at 62 that you don't even think are going to be there at 29 or 30 because it's not updated. Yeah, no, I don't know. But it, it is fun to see all the different mocks, all the different possibilities. And you mentioned the seven round mocks, man. Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> how do you even know some of these seventh round prospects you're, you're drafting a, a lot of the time? You're just throwing darts, but that's what it's all about, man. That, that's why I love mock season. And the Chiefs have three seventh round picks, so they're gonna, you know, they're gonna use something with them. Well, it, it's fun, it is what it is. And Pro Football Focus and Pro Football Network, all these places have draft simulators. Yeah, exactly. So you can get in there and play around with it. I like to put one out. I put 4.0 out today, yes. 610sports.com. And I'm not real wishy washy, too. What I do is, a series of one, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, and I call them mixed guys in. I'll, like I've had Boye Mafe uh, in the first round, a couple of them, and I have Christian Watson, a lot of them. Did he make four or not? But I put an and or in there as well because yeah. there's another receiver I really like. Kind of off the beaten path, a lot of you know questions, will this be a first round or not? And I like to pick guys where you pick them because if you miss on them and somebody else gets them, you might be kicking yourself later like I had a chance. Like all the people slept on Cooper Cup going to the third round, yeah. they're like, could have had this guy in two straight rounds. I mean, he's a first-rounder. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. Cooper Cup is a first-rounder. At that point, you draft a guy from Eastern Washington, and people are saying, what are you doing? Or you're getting Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois, yeah. and he's become one of the best safeties in the National Football no, that, League. That's actually a really good point because I, I do think there's a lot of value in, in just these smaller school guys because no matter how good you do at a D2 level, like at, at some point a team's not going to trust you enough maybe to, to take you in the you know a high pick, second or third round, uh, maybe is the highest you can go as, as a small school prospect, right? And so someone that the Chiefs have actually met with that I've highlighted on the site for Arrowhead Pride is Fayetteville State's cornerback uh, Joshua Williams. He's a, a bigger build, big dude, but he played at a D2 level. And, you know, some, as someone that likes to watch, you know, a, a full game, a guy, a, a, some all-22 film, if I can get it, you can't find it with, with a D2 guy. And so I, I do think there's, there's something to that where, you know, just because he didn't play at a D1 level, just because there wasn't a lot of exposure, he just can't go that high. So you automatically are getting a value because, hey, what if, you know, he, he might be as talented as some of these other guys. It's just so hard to tell when he didn't play at a D1 level. It may have a chip on his shoulder. Now, Cooper Cup right. was kind of different. I, I love these mock drafts. I had him mocked the Chiefs a few times because you know, he led the all-time yeah. leader in the NCAA in receptions and yards. Stats. You don't do that by accident. Like, yeah. you don't – I don't care what level you're playing. It's right below, you know, Division One, And, of course, North Dakota State, I have no problem picking somebody from there. They play Division One teams, yeah, and they just win national championships, and they keep filling their fingers yeah. full of, of of winning national titles. So I have no problem doing that whatsoever. But I don't like to be wishy washy either. If I, I pick somebody and I really like them, I don't like to all of a sudden take them out and put somebody else in because then it's like, did I really like them or was I just lying about how much I liked them well, before? But the second, and third round, I do switch things up quite a bit from guys earlier on or maybe new guys that I didn't pick. That I'm like, cool. okay, let's 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 find the best picks I like in the second, third round, fourth round, and we'll throw them in to this mock draft. So not a lot of changes in 4.0. Yeah, but well, a few. Yeah, no, North Dakota State's kind of different in my opinion because you're right; they are looked at as as closer to a D1 program than than someone that's actually at a D2 level, where it's 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 not even FCF; it's Division Two, where you're you're playing in front of what thousands of fans at the most. And uh, FCS does play Division One all the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, North Dakota State's beaten KU and K State. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty State sure. And they beat Iowa State. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, so I, I think North Dakota State doesn't get that same level of the value of the player. I think. You know, you, you see guys go, you know, pretty high for North Dakota. I mean, Carson Wentz was one of the top picks in the entire NFL draft. Um, Trey Lance just last year as well. So, yeah, but but other schools, I really do think, like, just because they're, you know, there's and there's a lot, of, especially at the cornerback position. I already mentioned Joshua Williams, but another guy, Zion McCollum, Sam Houston State. You know, that's a lower level of, of school. He's going well. to go lower just because of the school he went to, and he may be as talented as some of those guys. Montana so, State is a linebacker. That yeah. Talking oh, about man. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he, is, he has become a really hot name, so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a little overdrafted because, uh, you know, he's, his numbers were insane, um, and the NFL loves those kind of guys. Just You know, he's, he's almost like Taysom Hill, but, you know, maybe just, you know, on the defensive side of the ball where you can kind of throw him wherever. So we'll talk about that. Then I'll uh, let you grade my mock draft coming up here. At 6.15, you gave me a B-plus last week. There's a few t changes and tweaks. I'll try to talk you into these picks. Yeah, I've like, I'll try it. to talk you into them because that's what I did last time. Arnold Ebicady was a guy. 
that I tried to talk you into, and you did this great profile on him. You had yes. already planned to do it, but <laughs> you had this great profile on him coming. I was like, oh, this kind of reinforces what I did. And the old Juice team just came out. Yeah. And Charles Robinson uh, did uh, it, with a group of people from Yahoo to honor the late, great yes. Therese Paler to put out the old Juice team every year, and I really missed that. That's the stamp of approval. If, if your guy, uh, if you're mocking a guy and he's on, he's on that list. I mean, you, you got to feel good about your 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 mocking there. Uh, yeah, that's that's always a must read every every year on the Yahoo site. But yeah, no, I I, I really like Ibakadi, and I know we're going to get into it. But I I think it's just so important to Chiefs draft edge rusher in the first round, and and he just seems to be one of the most exciting prospects now like that that's the thing that doesn't mean you're the best prospect. That doesn't mean you're the safest or the guy that's going to you know for sure turn out the the best, but it does seem like he is the most exciting just because his, his juice as a, as a pure edge rusher flying off the line of scrimmage, getting around the corner. So I, you know, he, he is one of the most exciting picks for sure out of all positions, any position you could take in the first round. And uh, we didn't mention Troy Anderson to win Montana state. Yeah, I think yeah. I did bring that up. Okay, good stuff. So we'll do that. We'll do mock 4.0. It's over at 610 sports.com right now. We will do this and then talk to Josh Edwards, CBS coming up at six 30. We do all this next on the chief draft special. You're listening to Bink's NFL Draft Special on 610 Sports Radio, brought to you by Window World, the official window of the Kansas City Chiefs. Welcome back to the Chiefs Draft Special. Jay Binkley with Ron Kopp, lead analyst over at arrowheadpride.com, and Julio Sanchez. we got a lot to get to the next three hours, all NFL Draft, so that's what we're doing. It's, it's Chiefs Draft Special, so it's all going to be NFL Draft. You might say, well, you just talked to draft the whole night. Well... It's a Chiefs draft special. We had the Royals this afternoon. We got the Chiefs draft to talk about now because that is a huge topic at this point. Man, anyone saying you can't fill up three hours of draft talk has never met me and Jay Binkley. So no. I, I, or never met you, especially because I, as long as I've known you, as long as I've been uh, growing up in this city on uh, listening to 610, you can talk some drafts. So any, anybody not knowing that we can fill up three hours, uh, they, they, are, they are new here, I would say. So 4-0 came out today, Mach 4.0. Um, put it out just a little bit ago. You can check it out at 610sports.com. And I don't like to be wishy-washy, as you know, Ron, but uh, uh, the last two mocks, I didn't earlier, but the last two mocks, I went with Arnold Ibikati, the uh, edge from Penn State. I really like him, and I- I'm to the point where it's like, do I really want to trade up to get a Jermaine Johnson or just stay put and hope that Carl Loftus falls to the Chiefs, which I don't think he is. And uh, Karloff just kind of reminds me a lot of Tamba. I mean, he's got that edge. Maybe it's the Penn State in him. I'm not sure. But he led the uh, Big Ten in tackles for loss with 18 and a half. Yeah. Had nine and a half sacks. He's a guy that did make that old juice team. Yes. And But it's not why he's on my team because I liked him before that. Um, but 28 uh, and a half tackles for loss in his whole career was at Temple. Transferred to Penn State. Uh, Mill Kuyper absolutely loves Arnold Ibikati, who could make it to the second round. Well, yeah, the thing I'm I'm surprised the Tomba Holly comp doesn't come up more often with him because I feel like it makes a lot of sense. I, I know Tomba in college he was more of just a straight up four three D and Ibiketti was was more of a stand up guy, maybe more of a, an outside linebacker. Um, but at the same time, yeah, they they are kind of similar players when you think about Tomba, just a pass rush specialist, man, just flying off that ball, knowing what to do when he when he gets engaged with the offensive tackle, the handwork. Obviously, Ibiketti as a as a young player, he's he's not, he doesn't have that Tomba handwork yet, but he's he's someone that's a raw young football player, not completely raw, but someone that can work on that and has the raw skills to really become a really good player. I think it's a guy that could contribute and be a in the rotation right away. Right away, yes. this is not somebody you have to wait on like Ojabo or something like that if he's not ready with the Achilles. But this is what Mel Kiper had to say about him earlier. Arnold Epiquette, Todd, still remains to me one of the guys I like. I, I think he's deserving of being in a lot of these first-round mocks. He's deserving of being a guy that you think is one of the best 35 players in this draft. Nine and a half sacks off the edge, 18 tackles for loss, two forced fumbles. James Franklin loved the fact that he came in from Temple, and he showed, like, up in here for three years. He came in humble, ready to work. He got that locker room right away. He went on that practice field and worked hard. Arnold Ebiquette, he has the mind, the makeup, the mindset, the physical and athletic ability is there. The production this year and at Temple was pretty good. It was great at Penn State this year. I think when you look at an outside backer getting off the edge, you provide some versatility, okay? 
Arnold Ebiquete to me is the guy, if he gets into the second round, Todd, uh, I think he's a heck of a pick. It could be a late one, but I still really like what Arnold Ebiquete will bring to a defense in terms of getting after the quarterback. You know, and this guy has the leadership ability. He went right into Penn State, and they all, you know, liked him. And he's got that that thing you like on, on a team, you know, that leadership quotient, and he's got that. I mean, it, it, care, it counts what he does on the football field. But being a leader of men counts as well. I've mentioned it before with you, but yeah, two programs that you want to find guys from. I think Temple and Penn State are about as two good of programs. You're talking about the the culture there. Temple has a really good culture in terms of just their their uh, you know their strength and conditioning program. And Penn State it takes it to another level. So yeah, if you're if you're gonna find a guy from two schools, that's the way to do it. And I do want to point out real quick because I have all the stuff printed out. Might as well use it, right? Uh, you bet. The consensus big board, which is something that Arif Hassan of the Athletic puts together every year, which is it, it, all the ex- experts putting together their big boards into one consensus big board. Ebiketti is actually number fifty. So he's actually kind of underrated, um, in my opinion. I would put him closer to the top 30 in the big board. But he's number 50 on the consensus uh, experts big board, which is surprising to me. Yeah, and I'm sure Mel Kuyper likes him, though. He was, yeah. He's been talking about exactly. him being a first-round pick. And um, there's, just, there's just a lot to like about this guy. And I look at the end of the first round and think, okay, who could they really get yeah. an edge uh, to make a difference for this team? And I think he's the guy that I – I like him better than Boye Mafe, and I okay. like some of these other I picks. I do, too. But I like him better than that because he had production the whole time. Boye was sometimes tough to find the production. I like watching Dontari Poe film. Now, if you just watch the senior bowl, he shined. He was the national team defensive MVP. So Boye Mafe shined in two yeah. sacks in that game. But again, I'm going for full production. And he blocked two field goals. <laughs> and his three cone time yeah. is six nine five, which is better than Jahan Dotson, a wide receiver from Penn State. He had a better broad jump and a better vertical and a better three cone time. Then their safety, Jaquan Brisker and Jahan Dodson. And it would have been top five wide receiver yeah. at the combine if he put that. That, that is. Huge for a dude that big. Well, no, anything under seven seconds for a receiver is actually really good. Anything under seven seconds for any other position is insane. And so, yeah, that, that is crazy. And I do, and I do want to point out too, just the fact that you know you, we talk about Penn State players. I mean, you know, yeah, Brisker, Ebiketti. You know, there's other guys too. Jesse you've played it uh, down down the road. So, yeah, Penn State puts out a lot of guys. But I do want to get into your your second first round pick too. My second first round pick, staying with Christian Watson. Mm-hmm. I've stayed with him. I thought about coming off because he does have a high drop rate, but his athletic profile is off the charts. His athletic profile is off the charts. Some people have him go as high as 22, yeah. 23. And he's not Olave. He's not Garrett Wilson. He's not Jameson Williams. But at the end, could he end up being just as good as one of those guys and you put him at number two or three receivers in two years or three years? I think he could uh, end up being in there. But I like the speed. I like the fact that he had 57 plays of 20 yards or more. That that wow. just That's an explosive that is a big type player. Stat. Wow. And I like the fact that he blocks. And I like he's 6'4 and runs a 4'3'6. That, <laughs> yeah. that helps too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good fundamental to have or a good foundation to have. No. Yeah. That, that's the thing. It does seem like he's definitely going to be someone that's there. I, I don't think we have to worry about. I mean, I know you just said he, he, he's he gone earlier in some mocks, but it does seem it like, him like 22. Or yeah, something. it does seem like he's going to be at 29 or 30 if the Chiefs want to take him. So or in I the do, second round. I do think. Yeah, exactly. And actually, the consensus big board again has him at the 47th position. Yeah. So again, he, he is, you know, in terms of what the draft community thinks of him, he is more of a second round pick in, in the top. But that doesn't mean what the NFL thinks of him. So it'll be interesting. But you, the other guy, I want the other. Yeah, the other first round, of. I have Sky Moore. Yeah. And this is a guy that I had to really, really think about. He's 5'10", 195 pounds. Some people tell you he's the best route runner of the bunch. Yeah. Of of the bunch. Even Garrett Wilson, Jameis Williams, everybody, the most crisp route runner in the draft. Uh, 171 catches in three years. Great blocker as well. Who can be used. I know they brought in Juju and MVS. So this is my thing. Okay. Do they need that 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", size? No, because they brought those guys in. Yeah. This could be that. He... He's a guy that catches everything. He's got quickness as well. But uh, a lot of people think he's a first-round pick, and even Chris Tapasso, CBS, says if he doesn't go in the first round, two to three years, you'll agree he should have been. Yeah, no, he definitely does seem like he's such a technician in terms of his route running. It's so hard to know how effective it is when you're playing at Western Michigan rather than an SEC score. Because I fell for Dwayne Eskridge. Yeah, but I, I think it is a little different, though, because I do think Eskridge is a little more gadgety than Sky Moore is winning as a true receiver. He's winning on, you know, breaking guy off on a slant, you know, 
running great routes. It do, you can see that. So probably the best route runner, in my opinion, in the bunch. Yeah, and I've actually, you know, th- this isn't a comparison that I thought of, but you know, someone brought it up. Uh, Nate Tice of the Athletic mentioned Julian Edelman as a comparison when he thought of when he watches Sky more. Just that route running, that ability to get open over the sh- you know quick and short areas of the field, man. I I could see it just his technician, just the way he the way he works in the sh- uh, middle area of the field. And I found this interesting too from NFL.com. Mark Ross, who is a personnel guy, not only for Andy Reid back in Philadelphia. But he's with the Giants for two of the Super Bowl wins. Okay. He, was, he was director of college scouting and everything else. He works for NFL.com, brought him on a few times. But he's, he's a Princeton guy, played football there. But he was in the front office twice with the Giants for Super Bowls. So he's got two rings. And he says, quote, I've been saying for months now that Sky Moore is my favorite player in this year's draft. Whether big school wideouts are locks to go in round one, Moore has the under-the-radar prospect at the start of the pre-draft process. He can match any of those uh, receivers like Jameson and and Drake London, those guys, intelligence and skills. He has the talent and confidence to be a winning starter no matter where he is drafted. So that's yeah. coming from a personnel guy Man. that's won two Super Bowls in the NFL. I know. It, it's actually him. For me, him and Watson, it actually is a tough uh, – it's kind of a toss-up for me a little bit. I, I like Watson's size and stuff, but, man, Sky Moore can really get open. He's a really – He's someone that can come in right away. I feel like can create separation at the NFL. And level. if he could play taller than he is, I mean that's what yeah, that's what uh, Tyreek did. Former played, quarterback too. He played yeah, pl- yeah, played taller than what he was. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.